Welcome to the Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. Knowing when to quit is not something I have historically done well, and that has both positive and negative consequences. You know, I have worked myself into the hospital on three separate occasions because I just didn't know how to shut it off. When I used to be a runner, oh my gosh, the pain that I would put myself through, running through injuries, not knowing how to take rest days. Again, it pushed me to great heights and it destroyed my body. And I really never fixed that, at least for a long time. I just kept going forward. I wouldn't drop projects. I never knew when to let go. I would see things through till the bitter end. I was, which I think is a good thing, the captain that would go down with the ship no matter what. But my perspective began to shift on this in recent time. Again, the hospitals led to this dealing with massive failure and near bankruptcy with a company that I probably should have cut ties with. Um, and, and is another blog that I, and I've written. You can see it on the blog. There is a pod blog for it. So you know you can see how the not quitting and not knowing when to quit was starting to have more negative effects on me than positive. Now, the negative effects isn't so much what this blog is about. This is more about a situation that I was glad I didn't quit. And that was the filming of my documentary, Raising Global Citizens, which all in all took me some 15 years. There was a hiatus in the middle. It cost me my life savings and then some. I had an impossible time finding sponsors. It, it just, it was such a heavy lift, but I was so determined. And I had a wife that supported me and a family that supported me. And I was very glad I didn't. But in the process of wrestling with that, should I quit? Should I quit while I'm doing this documentary? Upon finally finishing it, I wrote this blog, which is just my assessment of how I thought about quitting and when to do it and why I should or shouldn't do it in that process. Without further ado, how to know when to quit. When we returned home from filming the Raising Global Citizens documentary, a question began to form around the edges of my weary mind. How do I know when to quit? We just returned home from Beirut, Lebanon, a place that is, in many ways, the quintessence of the vital and indomitable human spirit. So inspiring did we find this sacred and storied place that we couldn't help but allow it to seep into our veins, which would prove requisite for what was to follow. Jet-lagged, I'd made an impromptu sleep cocktail of GABA whiskey with a splash of melatonin and a garnish of 5-HTP. It wasn't working yet. I was lying wide-eyed and awake. At that point, 
the Raising Global Citizens film project had already been 11 years in the making. Admittedly, with a four-year break following the first attempt in 2008 and 2009, it had cost all our savings twice, which was enough to stave off sleep on any good night, and I had a sinking suspicion that the hardest part was still in front of us, turning hundreds of hours of footage from 15 countries into a 90-minute documentary. How much would it cost? Could I find the right people to edit it? How long would it take? Would anyone even watch the damn thing? I've always believed that solutions and answers to all those questions exist in the vapors of possibility just waiting to crystallize through the advent of time. But again, how much time and what would become of me in the process? You see, a popular question I was often asked after I'd sold naked underwear was, would you do it again if you knew it would be this hard when you started? In that case, the answer was still yes. But the rub was with these creative and entrepreneurial projects I knew all too well. Yet my blessings and curse in life is not giving up. The writing was never, as they say, on the wall for me. And I'd cling to creative and entrepreneurial projects and pursuits until my fingernails fell off. Persistence is a cultural virtue, of which I agree, and of the many great persistent stories, I was always partial to that of J.K. Rowling, living on welfare while writing Harry Potter. Persistence, as a method of strategy, worked for me, as I share in my book, Getting Naked, until it didn't. Here I was again, already existing precariously close to the B word, that being burnout, not billionaire, which led to a question I, I was lying awake thinking about. Was there also moral virtue and heroism in knowing when to say enough is enough? There's a catch, though. As blogger extraordinaire Scott Young points it out, the easy spaces in life with guaranteed wins for little, little effort are crowded. It's only once you venture past this where you need persistence, vision, and drive do you start seeing rewards. Yet, Young continues, the reality is sometimes your ideas and vision don't match reality. What you're trying to do isn't going to work. Staying stubbornly in the same direction can cost you much more than just pride. Every decision you make to keep going faces a trade-off. On one hand, by quitting too early and too often, you never get past the hard parts and into the areas where your efforts may pay off. In that way, this question, how to know when to quit, led me to the creation of an internal and actionable process I'd follow when deciding to, or not to, Keep on keeping on, hold fast, go for broke, you get the process. To quit or to break. My entrepreneurial kryptonite has been taking the three-week holiday. I muse over this in blogs, drinks with friends, and at least once in a while after a solid work bender. All signs that fatigue has led to an anxious frustration where the emotional stakes are artificially inflated and make it hard to keep going. Sometimes all that's needed to refresh is a proper, and I mean proper, mostly unplugged, not answering calls or emails break of up to one month. 
Because let's be honest with ourselves, that first week off for vacation, we're still unwinding our central nervous system and the to-do list. And the last week before heading back, we're winding it back up. So the proper rest and recuperation only happens in the middle part of the vacation. In just a few days, isn't enough. Next point, am I comparing? Am I wanting to quit because I'm comparing my progress or results with others? I've repeated this quote and I borrow from my sister-in-law many times. Comparison is the death of joy. It can also be the death of progress and momentum. Correspondingly, best-selling author Greg McEwen says, when we end our war on our body's natural rhythms, when we let others pass us in the unwinnable race for the most achieved with the least rest, our lives gain texture, clarity, and intention. We return to an effortless state. Point three, is this a stormtrooper? Borrowing another branch of wisdom from McEwen, ask yourself, is this a stormtrooper? What's the context? Growing up, McEwen loved Star Wars. After watching Return of the Jedi, he wanted a stormtrooper outfit. Anyhow, as an adult, he finally purchased one. And as he looked at his adult self in the mirror, he realized he didn't want one all that badly after all. Having long outlived its relevance, the idea just hijacked space in his mind for many, many years. We can carry these simple ideas like the stormtrooper outfit around until we let go, free our minds, and focus on what actually matters. This decluttering of the stormtroopers helps alleviate the thought buildup that drives overwhelm, fatigue, poor decision-making, and procrastination, making us more susceptible to quitting things too soon. Next point, MVPs and MVAs has the idea proven it's worth pursuing. Not most valuable player, but minimum viable product and minimum viable action. When I started Cosan Travel, before deciding to go deep into the business, we tested what venture capitalists and angels refer to as a minimum viable product, product with enough features to attract early adopters, customers, and validate a product idea. This allows you to test whether your idea has viability in the market before deciding to bet the farm on it. The follow-through method involves minimum viable action. What's the simplest step I can take next? Don't waste too much time, money, or energy pursuing the full details, aka getting into the weeds of your MVP, until you have proof it has a chance at becoming a fruitful endeavor. Note, yes, you still must work hard to make sure you give your MVP a proper and fair market test. Quitting after you've tested an MVP, assuming you gave it a fair shot with the right audience, that didn't pan out like it did when you dreamt up the idea is a great example of knowing when to quit something. Inversely, it can tell you when an idea is also worth struggling for. Great is the enemy of good enough. In keeping with the point above, allow your MVP, which by the way, can be a book draft, a movie concept, a business product, anything really, to be a bit rough in the early days and not let perfection get in the way of getting it done. The first final draft of our film, Raising Global Citizens, wasn't perfect. It wasn't edited for audio or color, and I just knew instinctively that there were holes in the story structure. 
That didn't stop us from putting it through a circuit of film festivals. We were rejected by 19. However, the ones we did get in provided fantastic feedback with opportunities to improve the film while making valuable contacts and gaining some perspective and positive awareness along the way. The job of a creative is to ship the work you create, get it out there consistently. At least that's what marketing guru Seth Godin says. And I tend to agree from a spiritual perspective. It's very Bhagavad Gita of him in the way that we are entitled to the work, but not the results. In Seth's own words, shipping, because the work doesn't count if you don't share it. Creative, because you're not a cog in the system. You're a creator a problem solver, a generous leader who is making things better by producing a new way forward. Work, because it's not a hobby. You might not get paid for it today, but you approach it as a professional. The muse is not the point. Excuses are avoided, and the work is why you are here. Your work is too important to be left to how you feel today. Sankofa. Our fears live almost ever present in the stories we tell ourselves about how things are. I can't do this because you fill in the blank with any reason that comes to mind. Some excuses may be real or serious, but one must meditate on their origin before accepting their truth. An example, I want to quit. Why? Because the boss makes me feel small. Why does what the boss says make you feel small? Because I feel like I don't belong here. Why do you feel like you don't belong here? You see where I'm going with this. In these moments, we must practice Sankofa from the Twi language of the Akan tribe in Ghana, meaning to retrieve, literally to go back and get. I do apologize as a side note if I said any of those things wrong. Behind every what, there is a why. And when we understand the why, we understand the real reason driving what's showing up in our consciousness as the story we're telling ourselves about why we can't do something. When we understand a problem that's creating a desire to quit, we are essentially freed from having to fix it because once we understand it, it no longer holds power over us. This is awareness, not just awareness of what we are thinking, but why we're thinking it. To borrow a metaphor from the author of the best-selling War of Art, Stephen Pressfield says, On the field of the self stand a knight and a dragon. You are the knight. Resistance is the dragon. When we conquer our fears, we discover a boundless, bottomless, inexhaustible well of passion. We conquer that dragon through the action that follows our awareness and understanding why. It's breathing fire on us in the first place. Why am I doing this? Does the spirit move you? Why? This question is often overlooked yet correlates with the first two. Why am I doing this? Do I love this thing, be it a job, relationship, a place you live, or do I love what it provides me? Is this something I would do if I had the choice not to? Is the reason I'm doing it satisfactory to my soul? The trap we must try and avoid is doing things because they have become a habit, an obligation, or because we think we have no choice. Someone told us it was required or it was the right thing to do. 
once a day, once a week, or once a year, whichever suits you, take the time to pause and ask yourself why you are doing something. Dig deep and uncover the real reason behind it. Why am I building this business? Why am I dating this person? Why am I spending time with these people? Why do I have this hobby? Why do I put my kids in so many activities? Asking this question isn't about overcomplicating the decisions we've already made tough enough. This is the simplest question we often have the hardest time asking and answering. Why am I doing this? A related question could be, why am I doing it this way? There could be an easier or more efficient, productive or rewarding way of doing the same thing. What about the question, what if I did the thing I wanted to do? How often are we guilty of delaying or postponing the things we want to do, the things that give us the best answer to our why until much later in our lives? As Henry David Thoreau said, the price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. If it turns out you're not willing to struggle for the thing you wanted, you don't really want it. Move on. What is the worst thing that can happen? And am I okay with that? This life question dating back to somewhere between 121 CE and 180 CE comes to us from the great philosopher and leader, Marcus Aurelius. It is a simple yet powerful question with a related practice that helps us make key decisions about whether or not we should stay with a creative or entrepreneurial project. Answering the question truthfully for ourselves removes the anxiety about the great unknown future. If we can be okay with the worst case scenario, then what is there to worry about? If we can't, then maybe we should rethink our next actions. This teaching and many other Stoic philosophy teachings remain as relevant today as they were then. They can be found in Meditations by Marcus Aurelius and The Obstacles the Way by Ryan Holiday. Am I willing to struggle for this? This question is a carryover from the first question. Generally speaking, nothing is usually as easy as it appears on the surface. To achieve success, happiness, physical fitness, and healthy living, thriving relationships all require struggle. Let's be clear. I'm specifically choosing the word struggle and not suffer, as there is a world of difference between the two. Suffering usually means what we're doing isn't right for us, and it's time for a change, while struggling implies that there is resistance. But that resistance positively shapes us, not hurts us. We can struggle elegantly, gracefully, and with reverence. So why does this happiness have to be struggled for? Because for a great many of us, happiness usually comes with the difficult, committed work of letting go of expectations, fears, limiting beliefs, and concepts, and becoming aware of who we are deep down inside. That journey can take a lifetime. If you want to be a successful person, either as an entrepreneur or by climbing someone else's corporate ladder, risk and sacrifice are part and parcel. Successful relationships are born of time spent listening, working through differences of opinion, finding balance, releasing past pains, and often choosing to keep this relationship over and over again.
Those who meditate and spend years in spiritual practice and contemplative reflection, battling their demons and egos along the way, are usually the ones who achieve self-actualization and freedom from suffering. Those who spend the most time pushing themselves physically by lifting weights or running or swimming or climbing giant rock faces are the fittest. I think you get the idea. The point is, struggle is a basic component of our lives and part of determining our success. And by nature, struggle comes with great sacrifice. So what are you willing to struggle for? Commitment and opportunity. It's not just what am I willing to struggle for, but what did I commit to? If quitting means breaking a promise or a deal, it's very important to factor that in before you throw in the proverbial towel. If you're at the point where you are having a dark night of the soul with your project, it's not just the result you're struggling for or with. It's your word. There is more than a fair share of nuance in this topic, which I won't get into here. So the net takeaway is be careful in calculating your commitment to things up front. Commitment is an important tenet of success. And so is cutting our losses and knowing when other opportunities are simply better for us. Therefore, when you're assessing whether to continue something, have a clear idea of what you do instead. As Scott Young says, sometimes a project is hitting a rough patch, but it's still the best idea you have and how you'll reach your goals. You just need to push through. Not continuing with a creative or entrepreneurial project can also just mean putting it on hold. I personally don't believe in totally abandoning an idea. Instead, I've created a future ideas note file on my phone and in a Google Drive folder. They hold fully baked and very informal ideas that I'd like to try at some point. This is also where ideas that didn't work can live until such time that my personal situation or the market conditions favor another look at it. Define done. When I'm stuck in a business that's struggling or a project that needs to ship, I think about my longtime business partner, Alex McCulley, who always says, what are the conditions of satisfaction and define what done looks like? The light tinkering on your work can make things worse. In the case of the film, it made it better. In the case of Kosan's best-selling Go Travel Dress, it made the dress worse. When we first launched, we had a dress that people liked, and it was good enough. We thought we could make it better. So we changed a bit here and a bit there, and many of our customers thought the dress didn't fit as well as the first one. So to end with a popular Stephen Covey quote, begin with the end in mind and define when your project is done. With all that said, I'm brought back to our film. Throughout these many years, we've worked on the film. Not only was it one of the best ideas we've had, but it was the one I was most passionate about. I felt that more opportunities could blossom out of it, even if it wasn't a smashing success. Time and again, we went through some or all of these questions, and time and again, it felt right to keep going. So we stuck with it. And after all those misfires at film festivals, an entire, not to mention expensive, recut and some initial disappointment with potential content distributors who don't accept unsolicited film submissions, we've signed with an agent 
who believes in us and our project. Needless to say, I'm glad we didn't quit. It is not lost on me that the reason we didn't probably had something to do with the inspiration of friends in Lebanon and around the world whose spirits inspired us to keep going and whose stories we wanted to share. All right, there you have it. How to know when to quit. And I will say, this is the first time in this little blog pod program where I can update from a blog what's actually happened. So we didn't just get an agent. We ended up selling the film to QSTAR Entertainment and the Go Traveler Network in North America, as well as the Heritage Film slash Movies Change People Network in Australia and New Zealand, you know, hoping for more. But the thought process around other opportunities coming from this has also manifested because we were able to do a spinoff show about Columbia that went to QSTAR. I signed a deal with a distribution company in Canada for another show series. And another show series is currently in the works. So a lot is happening as a result of that 15 years of putting this film together that I couldn't have done without having put the film together, without having learned what it was like, without having struggled through learning how to work with an editor, learning how to put a story together, learning how to apply to film festivals. All those things that I struggled for have now become slightly easier, not that much easier with these other projects. So I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm glad I stuck with it. And uh, I now have a much healthier filter through this process to look at projects that I do and don't want to do. In fact, I just wrote another blog called You'll Need to Be Good at One Thing. Haven't put it out as of the timing of this pod blog that really, really goes into just that. This, this hyper-focus on doing things that give us purpose, doing things that we love, and really pushing away the distractions, really saying no to the things that don't lift us up. That was probably a point I could have even added into this, you know, was, was that point of purpose and love in what you do. And that's a hard one as well. It's a hard one to settle into because we are raised to follow orders. We're raised to do what other people tell us to do from our parents, which generally is a good thing, to our teachers, which is a mixed thing, to our bosses, to our governments who define the sort of blueprint for how we're supposed to live our lives. You're supposed to save money. You're supposed to you know, invest. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. It's fine and good until programs us into this state where we can't act on what we really want to do. We can't even articulate what it is that our that is our purpose, that is our soul's calling, that is the thing that we're willing to struggle for, the thing that we're never going to quit against because we don't need to quit because we love doing it. And man, oh man, am I finding a lot of clarity, positivity, happiness, and really and really centering my focus on what it is that I, I think I'm good at, and but moreover, what it is that I love. So my friends, listeners, thank you so much again for listening to that rather long blog. I wish you well. I wish you success. I wish you the wisdom to know when to quit and when to keep going.
As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. We know there is a lot of podcasts out there, so we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you, make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others, you know, all that great stuff. So if the spirit does move you, subscribe, share, post, anything, we'd be forever grateful. And if you have any comments or feedback, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. We're here to listen. Guests you think we should have on, of course, send them along. Thank you. And until next time, peace.